Hello, this is Lyle Phillips, Senior Pastor at Iris Nashville, and I would like to personally thank you for downloading and listening to our podcast each week. To find out more information about Iris Nashville, you can find us online at irisnashville.com. Thanks, and God bless. Amen. Well, I'm glad you're here this evening. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here tonight, or this afternoon. It's not night yet, is it? Well, I'm glad to be with you guys. As you know, uh, Lyle, um, Allison's husband, my son, um, is, is in Brazil. You saw that. And we're, we're thankful. We're thankful for everything that's going on here. We travel down as much as we can from the great city of Owensboro, Kentucky. And uh, how many of you have been to Owensboro? Anyone? 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 All right. Well, it's not that small. It's, it's just uh, actually you guys need to learn something from Owensboro, Kentucky. I don't know what that'd be right offhand, but something, I'm sure. Amen. But um, I'm glad to be here tonight, and I feel like that I have a word for you guys, and I'm preaching tonight the same thing that I spoke this morning in our service, and, uh, and, and I really feel like that this is something that God gave me to share this weekend. So uh, my title is, is massively long uh, as far as titles are concerned, but I think before we get through the end of this tonight, you're going you're gonna to realize uh, the need or the, or the understanding of my long title. And um, I'm thankful tonight for my traveling companion, my wife. And also, we have a board member of ours from Owensboro, John and Kathy Larson, are with us this evening. We're glad they're here tonight. Amen. And we, uh, we're thankful that they've made the trip come down this evening. Amen. I challenged the church this morning in, in Owensboro about an offering to give. And if I had, uh, Allison did such a wonderful job, but I was going to challenge you guys to give $10,000 tonight. Amen. <laughs> Look at it. Everybody's like, ah, leave me out of that. Amen. Everybody smile because we're going to have some fun tonight. But we're going to talk about, I'm going to dig into us tonight. Is that all right? Let's dig in a little bit. My title tonight is Transformed Minds, Transform People. Transformed People, Transform the World. And, and I find myself tonight in Paul's writings in the book of Romans in chapter number 12 and verse number 2. It's a very familiar verse of Scripture, but there are some things there this evening that I want to pull out. And then I'm going to be bouncing around to a few other verses of Scripture tonight. But let's, let's read um, what Paul's trying to, to say. He says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove... What is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? Now, my question to myself when I was making my notes, why this command, Paul? Why is it that you feel so strongly about this renewed mind? And why is it that in this presence of this renewed mind that we may prove the will of God? And I believe tonight that it is possible It is possible to be conformed to this world even though you are a new creature. We have a choice to make in our lives. Certainly there are many of you, I don't know you personally, many of you, but many of you tonight have made a choice to be born again. But in that choice to be born again, there's also another choice to be made in our lives. And that is, is whether I'm going to live after the things of the world, after the communication of the world, after the belief systems of the world, or am I going to buy in, if I may use that terminology tonight, if I'm going to buy in to the real aspect of what Christianity should really be about. 
And that is truly living from heaven to earth. So there is something about this conformity that we must deal with in all of our lives. Every single person. I'm not talking to to a select group tonight. I'm talking to every individual in the room. Because we all must deal with conformity. Every one of us. The enemy works so very hard in so many areas of our lives. But especially in what I wanted to term tonight five of these terms. Anxiety, stress, insecurity, worry, and fear. And every person in here has to deal with these five things from time to time in our lives. I don't care if you are walking after the the very essence of God every morning when you get up throughout the rest of your day. There's going to come a time in your life where you're going to deal with anxiety, stress, worry, fear, and stress. uh, Excuse me, what was the other? Worry and insecurity. You're going to deal with these things in your life from time to time. It is not that the enemy is trying to get you to believe that you're not necessarily saved because that's not his so, so much his motive. But the enemy's motive is to disengage you from your effectiveness. Every one of us are called to be effective Christians. We have to determine that we are going to be effective. The devil cannot stop your ultimate destiny, but he can stop you from being effective. We all have a personal responsibility that we all have in Christ in our lives. And so if the enemy can get us to worry and have anxiety and have stress over things in life and get us thinking upon those things rather than thinking upon the things which are our responsibility in the kingdom on earth, then he can remove us from our effectiveness. And and the kingdom of the adversary grows whenever we are not being effective in the kingdom of God. Why? Because we are certainly not being effective in the way that we are uh, compelling others to be like Christ. Because if we are being effective, then we are going to compel by our actions. I think it was 1 John. He said, how will the world know the church? He said that they will know us for our love one for the other. But so often we, the church, the Christian community, cannot even get along among ourselves. And the reason why we can't get along among ourselves so often is, is because we are all so high strung with anxiety and stress and fear and insecurities in our life that we don't know what to do with ourselves, much less love someone else and care for other people. We've got to learn how to live from heaven to earth. And we realize that that's part of the Lord's prayer. I am not responsible, now listen to me, I am not responsible for getting myself to heaven. But what I am responsible to do is to bring heaven to earth. It's one of the things that we must clarify in our lives, and that is what are we responsible for and what is God responsible for? And if we can clarify that in our lives, we will begin to walk in this life much more uh, stress-free, if I may. Because I'm beginning to put in its compartments where God and what God does and what my responsibility is. Not knowing your identity can be a killer for your life. 
I think it's Mark 10. Mark 10 said, in this life now, he said, you're going to have more now. In this life, you're going to have, have great things. He even gets into houses and land and all of this stuff. He said that I'm going to give you now in this life. How am I going to obtain these things? I'm going to have these things, not just the material things, but joy, peace, and all of the fruit of the Spirit. How am I going to have these things? I will have them because I'm effective in my life. I'm not stressed out. I'm not all bent out on, with anxiety and fears and all kinds of things because God will open doors for us oftentimes that we'll not walk through because of fear. Anyone ever been there before? We often will backtrack. We'll step and stop and say, now, God, I'm not sure if I, if I need to go through this door or not or, or to do what you've called me to do. Notice with me in Matthew chapter number 6, verses 9 and 10. I only want to read two of these verses. In verse number 9, it says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And then verse 10, the context. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Guys, this is the pattern that should be displayed on earth. And that is, is that we have that responsibility to see heaven displayed on earth. That's the will of God. That is the prayer that all of us through Christ were, were instructed to pray. And that is, is that heaven must take place on earth through who? Through you and I. Through you and I. God's not going to come down and do it for us. We have to display that for ourselves, for God on earth. And we have to do it ourselves. And how we do that is, is that we get a made-up mind to be effective and not let all of these other distractions in life keep us from becoming everything that we know God's called us to be. Anyone ever got caught up in distractions before? I mean, I'm almost gotten to the place now where I can identify distractions just like that. It's like this comes up, that's a distraction. Get your mind off that. You can't do anything with that even if you try. Get your mind off of that. When my mind is conformed to what's happening in this world, I have become, if I may, like a dislocated joint. Now let me explain. If my shoulder, my arm was out of my shoulder socket, it would be limp and hang there. It's not dead I'm not, I'm not saying that if you're not in being effective that you're lost or not born again, but I am saying that you cannot be functional in what God's called you to be if you are not in socket. So uh, my arm's not dead, but it's not in the socket. It's not usable. It's not, I can't do with it what God called me to do with it. Why? Because it's dislocated. And so many people in the Christian community are dislocated to whereby that they realize they're saved. And the enemy's not, he's not refuting that fact. He's not here to argue with you, are you saved? Not at all. He's here to try to get you not to be effective in the kingdom. Because if I can distract you with fear, worry, anxiety, etc., I can keep you from being effective. I can, if I can keep you doing things that you used to do without renewing your mind, as Paul said, then you're caught up in all of this old stuff that keeps you occupied, whereby God's trying to say, if you would transition by renewing your mind, I could do great things in your life. God's looking for some renewed minds. Renewing of the mind is needed so that we can do the will of God. The renewed mind is the most, now get this, the renewed mind is the most, excuse me, consistent tool to God's reality to earth. Think about it for a moment with me. The tools that God uses. How does, how does God get his will done on earth? Let me say it again. I'm going to transition in a minute, but i got to hammer this home. <laughs> it's your mind. 
Because when you get up in the morning, if you are in a certain mood or a certain attitude, attitudes become my actions, right? So if I wake up in the morning or something in my day causes me to take on this certain attitude or dysfunction, then that day I display that dysfunction. Why? Because my attitude's messed up and my thinking's messed up. So therefore, the tool that God uses is the minds of his people. So the most consistent thing that God has is the tool of the mind. Paul was very specific. He said, you need to renew this tool every single day of your life. The renewing of the mind. The renewed mind. There's a problem. Now, I want to I ask you to, to just take this to heart for a moment. There's a problem when we know the right biblical answers to life, but when it doesn't influence our own thought life, we have failed the test. I want to say that again. There's a problem when we know the right biblical answers to life. But when it doesn't influence our own thoughts, we failed the test. Are you getting that? How many people do you know? I mean, they got all the answers. Man, I mean, they got the Bible. They've got it figured out. And they can give you a biblical answer to all your problems. But their life is a mess. That's a problem. That's a problem in the kingdom of God. Why? Because God cannot use that person effectively because people see through their lifestyle. You may have all of the answers, but if you can't love people and if you don't have a heart for people and if you don't have a heart for bringing heaven to earth, then everything you say really comes to naught because people do not follow that. People follow our actions. People follow more than just what we say. They follow who we really are. And that is figured out in how I live. Do I live all stressed, all tied up, all, all messed up in my thinking? And if so, then we've got to somehow learn to trust God with these areas of our lives that are causing us to be so twisted in our thinking. Many people, many people stop short of an experience with God because they have, a, they have become satisfied with good theology. Now, let me, let me go a little more with this. Good theology is awesome. And I think Paul told Timothy, he said, study. Study the word of God. Study to show thyself approved unto God, not unto men. Theology is important. But I want to say this. Whenever our understanding goes beyond our experiences, it's just a matter of time before you're going to become judgmental, cynical, upset. No one in the church is doing good. Now, you write that down. Because if your life is just all about understanding, if your life is all about logic, if your life is all about just knowing, I got a truth here, I got a nugget here, that's awesome. We need that. Theology's wonderful. But I want you to know that there's something greater than just having great theology, and that is having an experience with God. Experience is powerful. I mean, we can talk about, and I can read books about Africa, but go to Africa, you'll find out really what it's about. It's a huge difference. We can study about Central America, but go there, you'll find out. It's a huge difference in going and experiencing rather than reading and talking about it. And the Bible's the very same way. It's one thing to read about it to be able to spout off truths. Truths are awesome. I'm not going to apologize for making this statement again. Truths are awesome, but it's a huge difference to be able to say, I experienced God in this way. 
I experienced God. And whenever I experienced God, he planted something in me that changed my life. The renewed mind, the hence my title. Transformed minds, transformed people, transformed people, transformed the world. Great ideas are great, but experiences transform people. Can I ask you a question? Are you transformed? Or are you just living grandma's doctrine? Are you living daddy's church? Are you living out of religion and out of do's and don'ts and out of goods and bads and whites and black? Now, I believe there are truths, and I think you need to, to live by them. But my point is today, it's not about what you don't do. It's about what you do, do. The sin of commission or omission. And we now in the church today are, are the product of omission. We know to do, but we don't do. Well, preacher, I didn't, I didn't go out here and commit adultery. Preacher, I didn't do this and I didn't do that. I don't care what you didn't do. That's just your reasonable service. Come on now. That's just your reasonable service. No, I'm talking about what did you do? What have you done? What is it that you got from God in your prayer time that led you to go do what God called you to do because God's called you to be effective in your walk with him and God said without a renewed mind that it is impossible for you to be effective. So therefore, I know that if you're not renewing your mind, you're not praying, you're not seeking God because when you are, God renews. Why? Because you get, you get things planted in your spirit and your spirit comes alive. Hallelujah. That's good right there because we, we all, this, not, not me, we all have to do that. I can stop praying for a year and become just another, I can just quote scripture and quote somebody's quotes and act like I'm preaching. But the fact of the matter is, unless we are having experience and unless we are, we've got something fresh from God, what do we really have to say? Amen. What do you really have to give unless you've been alone with God? What do you really have to give? Someone else's life? Someone else's experience? Someone else's word? Are you an echo? Or are you a voice? I was challenged with that comment many years ago. A man said to me, he said, Jeff, you got to make up your mind of whether you're going to be an echo of someone else's ministry or whether you're going to be a voice for your own ministry of what God gives you. Now, that's a hard one because it's too easy to get on listen to other people. It's too easy just to listen to a, a CD or a podcast or whatever to get your message. It's too easy to do that. But when you have to get alone with God, it makes all the difference in the world. Amen. Turn your neighbor and smile real big. <laughs> Anytime your thought process starts with you, it never ends well. I don't have enough money. My wife doesn't, my wife, I don't like my wife. My wife doesn't like me. My kids are crazy. Whatever the case may be. But when it starts with you, it never ends well. Hence, the reason why we need to bring heaven to earth and we need to start looking through Christ's eyes on us as his children. Therefore, we see things differently because we begin to say, it may not look good right now in my relationships, but God said I have a great relationship. And whenever I start believing and start saying that and start speaking that type of fruit and that type of 
stuff into my life. God says, Solomon said it. He said, from the fruit of your lips, there shall, there shall you live. It's paraphrased, but the point is made. And therefore, we must understand that we got to start receiving from God and speaking into situations in our lives that transform the situation. Why? I will not know what God's saying if I can't hear God. I'm not in a place to hear God. God wants to transform your life. He wants you to be a world changer. I know we throw that lingo and that language around a lot, but it's actually very true. Everything must start with God. When God speaks a word to you, now I'm fixing to change gears on you a little bit. Now we're going to dig in. That was just preachy stuff. Now we're going to dig in. When God speaks a word to you, that word must challenge, must be challenged, get this, must be challenged with contradictory experiences. Now let's talk about that. That's where I really want to get with the, with the renewed mind. The word from God that you receive must be challenged. There's scripture for this. But now, whenever the Word of God, the Word of God, the Word of God, the Word could be your, your Bible, you read it, certain scripture just jumps off the page at you. Oftentimes, whenever I'm reading in my daily, that's how I know what to preach. That's how I know what to do that day. That's how I know what to say. That's how I know to live that day. It's amazing to me that whenever in the mornings I go to my office, I sit down, I begin to read my daily reading. And, and before it's all over, I can go in with a clean slate, no appointments, no nothing, and my day be completely filled with one person after the other sitting before me in my office every single day with anxiety, stress, and on and on and on it goes. And that's just life. But it's amazing to me, those things that I have read, they begin to talk about, and God's saying, I re you read this, and this jumped off the page at you so you could deal with this today. That word, that seed, that 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 uh, that sperma, that that sperm of God, it it, it God in, puts a seed in your heart, and then God begins to uh, activate that seed. He begins to put life in that seed, and then that seed becomes something that you are supposed to cultivate so that you can do something with it. No, 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 no. Now get me with this. In Matthew 13, verses 18 through 23, get this. And I'm, I'm going to focus on verse number 21. But I want you to write that verse down because you're going to want to read this a little bit later. The Bible says, Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. You know this parable, the seed and the, the sower of the seed. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received seed by the wayside. So now we get a little glimpse of the understanding that if we don't cover the seed, if we don't take care of the seed, if we're not cautious with the seed, if we are not taking care of the word that God gave us, prayer, scripture, preaching, whatever it was, something jumps out. That's a word for you. And you know that's a word for you. And if you don't take care of that word, the enemy will come along and he'll snatch it away from you. And what, what he does with this is, is he'll take the word. I heard this somewhere many years ago. He'll take the word from your heart where God wants it and he'll place it in your head. I'm not sure where I heard that. But what, in other words, what he does is he takes it out of a place of faith and he puts it in a place of knowledge. So whenever you get confronted with a certain thing at some time and some point in the future, you can say things like, well, I know that. You can debate over that. Why? Because you know that. You haven't experienced it, but you know it. I know the scripture says this. I, I've never really played it out, never had it in such a way that I've experienced it, but I can debate with you. 
Because that's what religion does. Religion likes to debate. God's not here to debate with anyone. God's here to show himself faithful and true through us. And as we're faithful and true to him, what's the point in debate? Watch my life. You know, I don't have to debate with you. Watch my life. I'll prove what God's will is on earth by you watching my life. You say, well, pastor, that's awful arrogant of you. No, if you are walking in the will of God with the seed of God planted in your heart, why in the world couldn't someone watch your life and see what God wants done on the earth? Therefore, what's the reason to debate? Why religion? Why all the comments and, and all of the controversy over scripture? Why can't we get along? Why can't we go from one church or the other without having a competition? That's a good word right there. Can, can, I, can I say something? I know I can because you are wonderful people and y'all love me. It was about a year and a half ago or so and, and um, I was in a fast and I was sitting in my prayer. I have a prayer chair. I was sitting in my prayer chair. I'll get back to this. Hang on. This, this, this still got to get. I was sitting in my prayer chair. If you don't have a prayer chair, you need a prayer chair. You need to spend 15 minutes a day in your prayer chair. Just 15. And you don't listen to music. You just be quiet and you sit and you listen to God. That's all you got to do. 15 minutes prayer chair. I was sitting in my prayer chair in my 15 minutes and God began to deal with me. And God dealt with me about some things in my past that I was really upset about. I, I just hadn't let go of it yet. Yeah, I had met with God. God had dealt with me before. But you know how we are sometimes. We're a little hard-headed. And, and we don't like to deal with some things. We like to hang on to some things because we feel vindicated that we have a right to feel the way we feel, bless God, because people did us wrong. Anyone? You bet. So... I was sitting there and, and God said, have I not given you a promise? Have I not given you promises in your ministry and in your life and for your family? And I said, yes, Lord. He said, well, then what in the world are you doing fretting over this? What are you doing? It's just like me and God was just talking for a moment. He said, what are you doing? You are giving the enemy so much power over you because you are not trusting in the seed that I sowed in your heart. And I said, well, God, this is what happened. So I went back to this experience that I had had about five years before. And I went back to that experience because I was still upset about it because I felt like that God had given me that and our, and our ministry that for a stepping stone to something more. And it was stolen from us. That's all I'm going to say about it. You can tell it's still a little raw. <laughs> but I'm over it. I really am. I'm over it. I'm getting back. I'm, so I got up and I went back to my prayer chair, right? <laughs> and, so, and so the Lord said, I'll give you back seven times for everything that you feel like that you've lost. But the Bible said this. It said, the Bible says that I'll give you seven times more of everything that has been stolen from you when you find the thief. And I said, well, Lord, there's the thief right there. And I put my finger on the very thing that I was irritated with. And I said, God, I don't want seven. I want ten times. And God said, so be it by your faith. Ten times. I said, all right. I feel better. <laughs> but my point in that story was simply this. I felt like because of that word and my conversation with God at that moment that he planted that seed in my heart, it was almost like I took a jacket off and that jacket hit the floor. It was just like that. And it was just kaflump. And ever since, whenever I get my eyes on other people's stuff, anyone? You get your eyes on other people's stuff, other people's ministries, 
that's where I'm at. That's my life. On other people's stuff, God will remind me. He goes, didn't I promise you? What did I promise you? And I go, oh, that's, that's, that's immature compared to what you promised me. Well, what are you doing looking at that then? Get your eyes back on what I told you to get it on. Get your eyes back on what I promised you, not what I promised them. Doesn't matter if I promised them. Doesn't matter what I promised them. What matters to you is what I promised you. And I said, hallelujah. <laughs> hallelujah. <laughs> hallelujah. And so anxiety, stress, fear, all of this stuff leaves you immediately. Because you begin to, you begin to deal with the seed that God put in your heart. Verse 20. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. Now this is where I'm at, right here. This is it. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word. Right there. That's it. I'm going to stop right there. Why? Because I want you to understand that whenever God puts a word in you, it must be challenged by tribulation and persecution according to this parable. So every time you get a word from God, God puts a word in your heart and you go, yeah, I got a word. Get ready. Get ready because that word's fixing to get challenged by the enemy and God's going to sit back and he's going to take his hands off and he's going to go, how much do you believe in the word that I just gave you? How much confidence and trust do you have in me in the word that I just gave you? So what begins to happen in our lives is simply a, a place of maturity. We begin to have to walk through some things to whereby we feel like we have stress, we have anxiety, we have fears, and whenever we know this word that when God plants it what we do then is we simply begin to walk this way instead of in anxiety and fear and stress and etc we just begin to go oh I feel that but I'm not going to be held captive by that I'm going to be effective I'm going to push that away I'm going to walk through that I'm walking out of that stress and out of that fear why because I have a word and this is exactly what the Lord told me was going to happen I'm going to have tribulation I'm going to have persecution why because God gave me a promise do you have a promise how many have you ever noticed that whenever God gives you a promise get ready it's amazing to me in my life there's been times that we've stepped out in faith and did certain things in our life and about the time you drop a thing and step out in faith and there's no holds barred I'm telling you there's no plan b there's no plan B. You don't need options with God's promises because when times get tough you'll go to plan B every time you don't need plan B. You need one plan, and you need to stick with it, and you need to know you're going to get challenged. But God's saying, I put a seed in your heart. I put a word in your heart. And you're going to have to hang on to that word through all that tough stuff to get to where God's going to take you. Why? I know you were asking. You were thinking, why? Because God wants to know just how much you trust him. And God wants you to know when you get to the finish line in this certain area of your life, he wants you to know that you can trust him in everything that he promises you. God's going to promise you. Now, I've got a couple of scriptures for you for homework. I want you to jot these down. I always like to give homework. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 13 through 15. And 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 through 5. Now, I'm leading into those. I'm not going to read them for just the sake of time. 
But there is a blindness in the understanding of man. But the heart is able to respond to truth. Blindness in the understanding of man, but the heart is able to respond to truth. And what I mean by that simply is this. Is is that before you know a thing, you can trust God. In other words, your heart has the ability to respond to the promises of God that your mind, your head, your understanding can't yet respond to. You are blinded to a thing until you respond by faith. It's God doesn't prove himself to you to reveal reveal a thing. You have faith, then God reveals a thing. I've heard people say things like, well, if God would just prove to me that he's a healer, then I would believe him for a healing. You've got it completely backwards. God's never, God doesn't have to prove anything to you. You've got it 180 degrees backwards. What you do is you believe God for the healing, and then God says, because you believe, I will heal. God proves nothing to us because we want to have something proved. God responds to our faith. We must respond from the heart before we can understand a thing. The enemy will blind the mind of the person whose heart has not responded to God. I'm going to say that again. The enemy will blind the mind of the person whose heart has not responded to God. The enemy loves it when you have a promise in your heart that you are not cultivating. He loves that. Can God still use me? He loves that kind of talk. The enemy loves that kind of talk. Well, I've messed up, but God gave me a promise. Did God give you a promise? Well, God knew you was going to mess up before you messed up. So that promise that's in you, God put there for a reason. So quit questioning God. And maybe the times that you messed up helped you to understand what God really wants you to do in your ministry so you can help someone else that may go through some of the same things that you've been through. And so therefore, you can walk in that in maturity. But you had to fight devils and demons and all kinds of things to get through it. And God's saying, that's my purpose. I want you to understand. That word I gave you is too big for you just to get and waltz around and act like there's no consequence. God God said, if you're going to be effective with me, you're going to do so by proving that I am your God and I can trust you with a good word. Come on, somebody. Now I want to ask you, has God given you a word? Has God really given you a word? Because if God's really given you a word, then you know that what you've been going through has been ordained of God. Because God says when he gives the word, if you don't cultivate it, the enemy will steal it. But if you still have the promise and you're still after the promise, that's what God's trying to say. God's saying, because you're after the promise, I'm going to make this come to pass. The enemy cannot steal what you cultivate and care for. God wants you to be effective. God wants you to be effective. Turn to your neighbor and say effective. Faith of the heart is what brings the transformation of the mind. I'm going to say that again. Faith of the heart is what brings the transformation of the mind. Faith in the heart is what brings the transformation of the mind. You can't, you're not smart enough. You can't figure it out. God's ways are far above my ways. 
you cannot mathematically make it work. It's not going to work. The more you try to figure it out in your own head, the more you lose it, the more you don't get it, the more you become frustrated, the more anxiety that you have, the more depression you have, the more fear you have, the more stress you have. Why? God, I'm just trying to figure this out. And God said, stop. I already figured it out for you. All you've got to do is trust me. I've got it for you. This is not works. This is faith. See, that's hard for us to understand. This is not about how much, how much you try to figure it out. This is about you simply believing God and letting God do through your faithfulness to him by your effectiveness. Every time you tell somebody at Walmart about the goodness of God, you're being effective. You say, well, pastor, that, that just doesn't seem like I'm getting much done. Well, maybe that's where God's using you right now. Maybe God's going to use you there but to get you where he wants you to go. Faith. Faith, faith is the key to the transformation of the mind. And I'm coming to a close, but I do want to say this. The influences of the Pharisees and that of Herod will challenge God's word given to us every single time. Pharisees, religion. Herod, politics, political. Are you politically correct? Do you, uh, are, do, do, is, are you in all of the religious atmospheres do you have it all in order? Because there's a lot of arguments there. There's a lot of arguments whenever you start trying to live like the world lives in their systems. That's why God is never controlled by the world's systems. And that's why we have so many people today on prescription drugs. David Wagner spoke into my heart just a couple of weeks ago, you know he was here that Sunday evening. And he challenged me. I'd always, Carl, I always realized, or I thought I understood that we were going to have five legacy churches. Five. We have two, but we're going to have, I thought we were going to have five. And he said, Jeff, he said, I want you to put a pin on a map and I want you to draw a circle at 300 miles circumference because 300 miles is a region. And he said, and God told me to tell you you're going to have 12 churches in this region. 12 churches in this region. So I want you guys to realize God will begin to stretch you. Now, what am I doing with that word? I'm beginning to realize that God's plan for our lives is much bigger than what we ever considered anyway. And so I'm beginning to realize that you guys may not realize what you're involved with. Because God's fixing to do something very transformative. Formative, very transforming in not only our lives, but in the region, in the 300-mile circumference. And there's going to be more legacy churches. There's going to be more of you that are going to go out in different places doing ministry that you never thought possibly that would be there for you. It's going to be there for you very, very soon. But you've got to walk through from the promise, the seed, to get to the finish line, to the promise, to the word. I don't know. I don't know if you guys are up for it or not. I'm just teasing. Because you know what it takes? It takes you being a little radical in our society. Concerning scripture, we're probably so 
unlike that. So not radical. Even when we think we're radical, that doesn't compare. But in our society and culture today, for many that might come through the doors and see how we worship, to see how we preach, to see how we do church, to see what we believe in, to see what we do, that may seem very radical to some. And it may not be politically correct, and it even may not be church correct for some. Are you willing? Can you? Are you willing? Do you have enough here? Maybe I should say here. Do you have enough here to get you through the tribulation, the persecution, to get to what God's called you to ultimately be and and become? Because it's not going to be whistling Dixie on a bed of roses. Hey, I can be a little Nashville too, y'all. I'm from Kentucky, so I'm not that far away. It's only two hours. And y'all think we're all hillbillies and wear no shoes all the time, but that's not true. That's over in the eastern part of the state. (laughs) We're in the west part of the state. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, faith is the key. And I close tonight by simply asking you this last question. Will you be effective? Will you be effective? Will you be effective? Will you be effective? Are you scarred too much? Too much history? Too much past? Too many bad things happen? Too many bad relationships? Too many preachers hurt you? Too many Sunday school teachers did you wrong? Too many people that are hypocrites that said that they knew what they were talking about and ended up not being anything of what they said they were? Are you hurt too much? Have you seen too much? Have you been through too much? Or can you get your mind on God to the point that that stuff doesn't matter? Because that stuff doesn't matter. Because that's not your promise. That was their promise. And if they messed up their promise, that's their business. It is not your business. Your business is to do what God told you to do and function like God told you to function and to be effective like God told you to be effective. And at some point, you got to make up your mind that that's who you are and know who you are. Identity relieves stress. Identity relieves stress. You don't need prescription drugs. You just need to know who you are. Amen. Because we're pulling against God. And when you pull against God and you're a Christian, I'm going to say, when you pull against God and you are a Christian, that's a horrible feeling. Because you don't feel like you're even saved. You're saved. You're just out of joint. Amen. Transformed minds, transformed people, transformed people change the world I want you to stand with me I want to pray over you and the ministry team is coming and I'm going to turn it over to them we want to have the opportunity to pray with you individually if you'd like prayer but I want to pray with you corporately right now as the whole body and I hope that you'll receive this prayer tonight and it'll begin to help you to change life and I know many of you probably are right in the middle of God's will and purpose 
and I rejoice with you. But for those of you that just may not quite have it down pat yet, I'm going to pray for you right now. Close your eyes. If you're here today by lifting your hand in just a moment when I ask you to, if you're here tonight and you want to say, Pastor, man, this has hit me right in the square in the chest tonight because there's some things I know that God's called me to, but I have been feeling disqualified. I've been feeling like I'm not sure that that promise is still yet for me. I've been feeling a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety and a lot of these things I've been feeling. I didn't know what to do with it, but now I do. If that's you, lift your hand right now. Come on. Thank you. Thank you for the courage to lift your hand. All of you that have lifted your hand, I pray for you now. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus. I pray, Lord, that you would begin to move in this sanctuary. God, and move into the hearts of these people like never before. God, that you would rebirth in them their promises. That you would begin to allow them to see everything that you have in store for them. And Lord, as I pray over them now, I simply ask, Lord, that they just let things melt away. Hurts and pains and interruptions in life. And God, let them identify these things that they might walk free tonight as they walk out of this house God that they just find that there's a new place a new renewed mind so I pray now that every individual in this room have a renewed mind how do you have that renewed mind by faith that you know that what God's put in you is yea and amen true and you are going to see it through in the name of Jesus Ministry team, come please. And everyone in the room said, in Jesus' name. If you need individual prayer, I'm going to turn it back to Allison. If you need individual prayer, we invite you to come and pray. Let's give Jeff a round of applause. Thank you so much. Thank you. This is why... We are so blessed and privileged to be a part of a bigger family that's not just here in Nashville, but in Owensboro with Pastor Jeff and Melissa. And we're so grateful to do legacy truly, to leave a lasting impression on on our generation, on our cities. So if you do need prayer, we're gonna invite you to come up. Our ministry team will be up here to pray for you this evening. But I'm gonna have us put our uh, closing declaration up and we're gonna read it over ourselves this evening and then you'll be dismissed. So read this with me. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Amen. Well, remember, we have house church this week in East Nashville. Um, It's one of our favorite things to do. Uh, So look on social media for the address. um, And we hope to see you there. So Um, You are dismissed this evening. We're so glad to have you with us. Thanks for subscribing to the Iris Nashville podcast. We'd love to hear back from you. If you don't mind, log into the iTunes store and leave us a rating and a review. The more ratings and reviews we get, the more accessible our podcast is to new listeners. Thanks so much. Have a wonderful day. God bless.